Amen. Isn't it just the best thing? Don't you just love kids and don't you just love Christmas? Well, we made it, and uh, that is the exciting thing for me. Um, you know, um, and this is, this, to me, this is the best part about Christmas. If you were to ask uh, Donna, she would probably tell you, I'm probably closer to Ebenezer Scrooge and Bah Humbug than I am to, to anybody else. We kind of have an affinity uh, with each other. I'm not always real excited about Christmas, and I don't always uh, get into it, but we made it, right? And, uh, and by the way, this evening at 5 o'clock, we are going to have our, our uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service uh, right here. I want to invite you to come back and make this a part of your, you know, your Christmas Eve celebration as you gather with your family and everything. We come to worship the newborn king. We are going to share communion together, and it's going to be a beautiful thing. 5 o'clock, and uh, we'll have you out of here before 6, and so you can make it home for uh, Santa Claus or whatever else happens, okay, on Christmas Eve. You know, uh, for me, and I, I mentioned that I don't, I, I do, I, and we talked about this in our Sunday school class, I sometimes have a hard time you know, really getting into or getting all over Christmas, you know, and, and, and some of it is, you know, just kind of the awkwardness of it. I, I, um, yeah, as I drive around, you know, I see the, uh, the yard uh, ornaments and everything that aren't necessarily about baby Jesus. You know, there's the Grinch and there's Santa Claus and there's Rudolph and all these other things. I don't, all, I don't see a whole lot of nativity scenes, you know, in people's yards. And I'm not against all that stuff. But just for me, it, uh, it just gets kind of crass sometimes, I guess. I don't even know. And sometimes, you know, it's kind of awkward. And there are some awkward questions when it comes around Christmas. And I, I want to talk about one of those today. You know, I remember um, when uh, uh, our children were very young. And um, we were, uh, I was out with the kids one day. I think we were doing Christmas shopping for, uh, you know, for mom. And uh, our daughter, who was about five years old at the time, uh, just out of the blue, she said, uh, Daddy, what's a virgin? And, uh, and it, came, it was an honest question. I mean, because, you know, we had been, you know, talking about the, you know, Christmas and Jesus born of a virgin. And she had heard that in Sunday school and everything. She didn't know what a virgin was. So she asked the question, Dad, Daddy, what's a virgin? And, uh, and I know that for some of you dads out there that might, you know, uh, strike fear into your heart. How do you answer this question, right? But uh, being a pastor, of course, and a highly trained professional that I am, I, uh, I said, well, honey, when we get home, ask your mommy. She'll tell you. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> now don't judge me because you know you do the same thing, guys. You know that, right? But, uh, but you know, there are some good questions surrounding, uh, surrounding Christmas, and maybe... Maybe the big one is, uh, or maybe one of the big ones is uh, the virgin birth. Because, you know, the reality is, is all through history, uh, this has been a big question. I mean, there are some people, and maybe some of us, that just outright deny it. it just, it's not scientific, so it couldn't happen, right? So we just go ahead and, some people do, just right at the beginning, just deny that that Mary was a virgin. That really is the question. 
You know, I, uh, I went to college at Hardin-Simmons University on Abilene. That's where I got my undergraduate degree in Bible after I'd spent eight years in the Navy. And, and uh, one of our professors, his name was uh, Dr. Weir, he, was, uh, he taught philosophy. He had taught in the Bible department, but they had separated philosophy from the Bible department years before because Dr. Weir, very famously, even though he was teaching Bible, he didn't really believe it. He had uh, very famously one time said, uh, the only miraculous thing about the birth of Jesus is that for 2,000 years, people had believed that Mary was a virgin, right? Well, that didn't quite fit with... Uh, uh, what everybody else was teaching, so they kicked Dr. Weir out of the Bible department, now he's teaching philosophy, right? But there's a whole lot of people, and this is liberal theology, denies the, even the possibility that Mary was a virgin or that, or that Jesus was born of a virgin, I guess. You know, on the other side of that, or the other extreme, is, uh, is Catholic theology that teaches that uh, that Mary continued to be a virgin in her whole life. It's called the perpetual virginity of Mary. And uh, in fact, they even talk about something called the Immaculate Conception, which doesn't have anything to do with, with how Jesus was conceived. It was how Mary was conceived. Because the thinking is, is that if you're going to be the mother of God, then you couldn't have just been born in the regular way. And so you must have been, uh, you know, you must have been conceived uh, immaculate as well, right? So, so there's the perpetual virginity of Mary, and there's the immaculate conception, and that's, that's what the Catholics teach. On the other side, there are those who say, no, there's no such thing as a virgin birth. And then uh, maybe, you know, for, for us as Baptists, you know, what comes to my mind is I remember Adrian Rogers, who for me was one of the greatest uh, Baptist preachers that I ever personally heard, but I heard him say very famously one time, he said, I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for the salvation of anyone who doesn't believe in the virgin birth. I don't believe that you can even be saved if you don't believe in the virgin birth. And of course, the problem with that is, and, I, and I'll, I'll tell you what I think he meant by that, but the problem is that the Bible doesn't say that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he was born of a virgin, then you will be saved. That's not what the Bible says, right? It says believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, right? And so, so the resurrection has to, has to uh, or without that, there's no salvation. But So where does the virgin birth fit in there? And how are we to, uh, how are we to consider it? Well, what I want to do is just share with you a passage of Scripture and then just kind of walk through this passage of Scripture with you this morning and then we'll figure out if there's something we need to do about it, all right? Uh, the story of the birth of Jesus is found in two of the Gospels, Matthew and Luke. In fact, Mark just begins with, uh, you know, with Jesus, his ministry, and John begins in the beginning, right? So in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, so there's John. But only two of the Gospel writers think that we really need to emphasize his birth. But both of them have something to say about Mary, the one who gave birth to Jesus. Let's begin reading in verse 26 of Luke chapter 1. It says, in the sixth month, and the sixth month here is the sixth month of Elizabeth, okay? John the Baptist's mama. We read about that just a little bit earlier. And so she who was older, was not able to have a baby, and then she conceived, and that baby is going to be John the Baptist. Well, in her sixth month, is what that means, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin 
engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. And then the angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will have no end. And Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? And the angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who is called childless, for nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. May it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel left her. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and to the hearing of his word. Now, I want to just walk through this passage of Scripture with you this morning in this sermon. And uh, I'm going to arrange our thoughts in, uh, in three ways. First of all, there is the biblical record, okay, the biblical record. And then I want to look at the theological imperative and then the personal response, okay. So that's kind of the outline here of this sermon. And so we're going to begin just first of all with the biblical record. So Luke tells us in verse 27 that the angel Gabriel uh, came to this young girl named Mary, and it says that she was a virgin, now, the deniers of the virgin birth will say, yeah, but that word, their virgin, just literally means a young woman. And, and the reality is, is that is exactly what it means. It means a young woman who, uh, is, uh, who is old enough to bear children, but has not born any children yet. So it could, be, it could refer to a married woman or an unmarried woman. It's just a young woman. This word virgin just literally means a young woman who does not have any kids. And so it's true. So the skeptics will say, you don't just, she wasn't a virgin just because it says there she was a virgin. But I want you to look down at verse 34. Mary asked the angel, how can this be since I've not had sexual relations with a man? Now there's the definition of a virgin. Now, Mary understood what a virgin was or what it took to have a baby. In fact, for those folks who don't believe in the virgin birth, I've always said, join the club. Nobody believes in the virgin birth. Who does? I mean, if you see a woman who uh, is going to have a baby, you don't ask yourself, well, I wonder if you know, she's a virgin or not. You don't ask yourself that question. You know what happened, right? Mary is the same thing. Mary, you're going to have a baby. Can't be. I'm not going to have a baby because I haven't done what it takes to have a baby because I'm a virgin, right? So Mary didn't believe in the virgin birth. And by the way, neither did Joseph. When Mary went and, and told Joseph, you know, they were engaged to be married. And, and uh, that means that, and that was in that culture, that was a very official thing. And so the, the engagement lasted a year. And 
she was basically his wife, even though she was still under the authority of uh, her own parents at that point. But uh, in order to, to end that relationship, they, they were going to have to get a divorce. And, and when Joseph found out that she was with child or that she was going to have a baby, there was no question in her, his mind, she's been unfaithful to me. There was, was no doubt about it. Why? Because he didn't believe in a virgin birth either. Who believes in the virgin birth? Nobody does until God shows up and says this is the way it is, right? It, it took an angel speaking to Mary, and it took an angel speaking to Joseph before they could even believe because virgins don't have babies. So the, so the Scripture teaches it here, but, but you know, it doesn't even begin here. If you go back in Scripture, and we looked at this uh, scripture in our, uh, in our Sunday school class. And by the way, if you're not part of a small group Bible study Sunday school, I want to encourage you. To, we've got a place for you. I mean, we dig into the scripture. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. In Isaiah 7, 14, the Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. Now, that's a messianic prophecy. Isaiah the prophet was speaking to Ahaz, the king of, of, of uh, Judah. But it is, he was speaking of a Messiah that was going to come and put everything right. And so it was uh, Matthew, by the way, that takes that scripture and says he was talking about Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. That's Jesus. That's who Isaiah 700 years before said a virgin was going to conceive. And she was going to give birth to a son. But you know, it's not just there that the Bible teaches the virgin birth, not just in Matthew and Luke, or not just in Isaiah. But if you go all the way back to the beginning, you know, in the, in the book of Genesis chapter 3, there's the account of Adam and Eve who have been created by God and placed in the Garden of Eden. And they have been given complete freedom. You can have everything here except there's just that one thing, that one tree that belongs to me. Leave it alone. It's mine. And, of course, that's the one thing they did. They did the one thing that God said don't do. This is called sin, by the way. They disobeyed the word of God. And then God came and they stood and, and, and they stood before God in judgment. And the serpent was there as well. The serpent that had come in and deceived. And in judgment, God spoke to the serpent. You remember that story? And in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God himself said, I will put hostility. And he's speaking to the serpent now. He's speaking to the devil. And he says, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring, watch this, and her offspring. And he will strike your head. That is, her offspring will strike your head. And you will strike his heel. In other words, he said, the seed of the woman, that's what that word offspring really in Hebrew means. It's the seed. It's, it's a very unique and interesting way. He didn't say the seed of a man. He doesn't say uh, uh, the son of man. He doesn't even say the son of God. He says the offspring or the seed of a woman is going to stomp your head, devil. He's going to stomp your head. It's just kind of a strange way for God to speak to the devil, but that's exactly what he said. From the very beginning, God said, 
It's going to be the offspring of a woman. This woman is going to be a virgin. It's taught right there in the book of Genesis all the way through that the, that the Savior would be born of a woman who had not known a man or had not done what it took in a sexual way in order to become, uh, become pregnant. It happened supernaturally. In fact, what... Luke tells us here is that the angel said, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that is, when Jesus was born, God was doing something brand new, folks. He wasn't doing the same old thing. He was doing a new thing. That word, uh, when, when, when the, uh, the Gabriel said the Holy Spirit is going to come over you, it's the same thing that happened all the way back in the creation when it says the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep and then God created something brand spanking new. When Jesus came, folks, God was doing something new. The Bible teaches, the Bible record is that, he was, that Jesus was born of a virgin. But so what? So what's the point? Does it make any difference, really? Here now is the theological imperative. Jesus was delivered as a baby into this world without the help of a man. (laughs) Okay. So Mary gave birth, and she had not known a man, so Jesus did not have a human father. Now, Remember all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 when, when God had spoken to the serpent and said the seed of the woman or the offspring of the woman is going to, is going to come and, uh, and he's going to stomp your head? Remember that, right? We just talked about it, okay? Well, a couple of verses later in uh, Genesis chapter 4, Eve gets pregnant and she has a baby. And in verse 1 it says this, The man was intimate with his wife Eve, that's Adam, We don't even name him here. We're going to name the woman. The man was intimate with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And look what she says here. I have had a male child with the help of the Lord. Now now look at the focus here. I have had a male child with the help of the Lord. Now she was standing there when God said, Hey, the seed of the woman, serpent, The seed of the woman, devil, is going to stomp your head. And now all of a sudden she has this baby, and I have, this is it. This must be the one. This is the one he was talking about. This is the one that's going to stomp the serpent's head. They named him Cain. But you know, Cain turned out not to be a deliverer. He turned out to be a murderer. In fact, she had other offspring, Abel and then you know, she on down the line, right? And so she had, uh, she had other kids. And by the way, Cain died. Abel died. He was killed by his brother. All of their other offspring died. In fact, if you go on down the list, you know what you're going to find? That every person that has ever lived, there's two special cases here, okay, Enoch and Elijah. But other than that, everybody else, born of a man and a woman, just like Cain, died. Everybody dies. I've said this before. You've heard me say this before. The death rate is 100%. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, how great you are. You know we're all dying. Everybody in this room one day. Some of us aren't going to be here next Christmas time. Because everybody dies. That's just right. Born of a man, born of a woman, 
Everybody dies. Adam and Eve died. Everybody on down the line. Every one of your ancestors died. All the way down, death rate is 100%. Again, it doesn't matter who you are or what you are. And folks, this is theology 101, okay? Death has entered into the world, and because death has entered into the world, we all die. Why? Because we've all inherited a sin nature from our Father. We've inherited this sin nature. There's not a single human being that could stand before the snake and say, I'm going to crush your head. Not a one of us. Because with every one of us, the devil's going to look at it and say, no, you're just like me. You're just like me. You're a rebel against God. You've rebelled against God. You've rebelled against God. You're just like me. Like me, like me, like me, like me, like me. We are all just like him. We've all rebelled against God. And none of us can defeat the devil. We can't defeat sin. We can't defeat death. So we're all going to die. The Bible says... The Bible says the wages of sin is death. And that's the reality. And we can't can't father or mother our way out of this. One theologian said, if God had left the human race alone, we would never have reproduced ourselves out of the curse that we are in. The curse remains upon us because we're all sinners And the wages of sin is death. So nobody can take away my sin. And I can't take away your sin. No one can take away anybody else's sin because we've all sinned. And we all deserve to die. And that's just the reality. So when Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, he was conceived without the help of a man. He is only the seed of the woman and the Holy Spirit. So again, God was doing something totally new. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 when he came and, and Nicodemus said, hey, we know you're really something special. And Jesus said, let's just cut to the chase. You must be born again. You must be born again. How is that possible? I can't enter into my mother's womb. No. If you're born of the flesh, you're flesh. But if you're born of the spirit, that's life. In the flesh, there's death. In the spirit, there's life. Jesus is the new birth. And without Jesus, there's only death. When God sent his son, he was doing something brand new. Jesus came without the taint of sin. And he lived a sinless life, tempted in every way, just like every one of us, and yet without sin. And so when Jesus died, he didn't die for his own sin. He died for your sin. He died for my sin. He died for yours and yours and yours. Because you couldn't crush the head of the devil. Because the devil said, you're just like me. But when Jesus stood up there, he wasn't. The devil couldn't say, you're just like me. And Jesus took his foot in just like that. Man, he stomped the devil's head. Praise God. And in him there is life. Jesus is God-man. He is God in the flesh. And this is why the virgin birth is significant. This is the theological imperative. The liberal theologians who deny the virgin birth basically de- deny the deity of the Lord Jesus. And if Jesus was not God, he could not save you because only God can save. If he was not a man, he could not die in your place. So he is God-man. That's the theological imperative of the virgin birth. And this is why it is essential to New Testament theology and to us to understanding not just who he 
he was, but who we are and how we relate to him. Jesus was born of a virgin. To deny that really is to deny salvation. It's to deny that you need uh, salvation by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. It is the theological imperative because we are sinners and he was sinless. All right? So that's what the Bible says. That's what the theology says. Now the question is, how do we respond? So the personal response here. I want you to look back down at verse 32 and 33. Gabriel is speaking to Mary now and says, He, speaking about Jesus, will be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. In other words, the angel said, Now this baby that is born in this supernatural way, Mary, okay, you... You've not done what it takes to have a baby. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. You're going to conceive and give birth to a baby. This baby is going to come to reign. He's going to come to rule. He's not just going to come to pat us on the back and tell us how good little boys and girls we are. He is going to come to rule. I want you to hear the power here. He's going to be the son of the most high. This is going to be God in the flesh, and he comes to rule. He's going to be, as Isaiah said, Emmanuel, God with us. God with us who comes to rule. Now, let me just ask you a question. Again, we ask this question in Sunday school. I try not to preach the sermon in Sunday school, but sometimes it comes out. Here's the question. Is God with us a good thing or a bad thing? Is that good or bad? Well, you know, ask Adam and Eve that question. Because you, you remember, go, go back to the Garden of Eden for just a second. And God said, don't eat from the tree. Serpent slithered in and said, yeah, you can do whatever you want to. Oh, yeah, we can do whatever we want to. They ate from the tree. And then they heard something. You know what they heard? They heard the Lord God coming. I mean, what was about to happen was God with us. And what'd they do? They didn't go running to him and go, Hey, God, so good to see you. So glad you're here, man. We've been all alone and we mess it. No, no. They hid. They went and hid in the bushes. They tried to cover themselves up. They didn't want God with us at that point. You know, when you're a sinner, and, and you know what, what the problem that most of us have with God we don't really want God with us. We want me with us. I mean, I want to do what I want to do, and I want to do it my way and my thing, and I don't need God, and I don't need anything else. Because, you know, the Bible again teaches that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. Whether we admit it or not or believe it or not, we're all sinners. And when God comes, right, when God comes for Adam and Eve anyway, they saw a wrathful creator. They had disobeyed what God said. And now they knew they were going to stand in judgment. The presence of God strikes fear in the heart of a sinner if a sinner understands what's going on. Because, beloved, one day we're all going to stand before God. That's just the reality. So, the presence of God strikes fear. And I want you to think about this. When the devil came in and spoke 
to Eve. You know, if you, if you think about that, Eve was not afraid. Did you notice that? She was very comfortable with the devil. You should think about that for just a second. Because, you know, the devil doesn't want to scare you. You know, our picture of the devil is this dude in red tights with a pitchfork and everything and fire and all that other stuff. But the devil doesn't want to scare you. The devil wants you comfortable. <laughs> in fact, I heard one guy talk about the devil in this way. He kind of treats us like a cow on our way to the slaughterhouse. Right? I just want you to be fed. I want you to be happy. Everything's cool. Everything's fine. Let's just keep on going down this way. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Everything's going to work out in the end. That's the way the devil does. He doesn't come to scare us. It's the presence of God that's frightening. What was the first thing that the angel Gabriel said to Mary? Did you notice that? Look, don't be afraid, Mary. Verse 30, very first thing. You don't have to be afraid anymore. Look what he says. Don't be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. You know what that word favor is? The Greek word charis, and it means grace. It's translated grace. He said, Mary, you don't have to be afraid of God. You've found grace. God has a gift. God is not coming in judgment. God's not coming to slap you down. God's coming to take away your sin. That's Emmanuel, God with us. The sinner uh, trembles in fear of God, hiding in the bushes. And you know, it's kind of like, if you want to hide in the bushes, okay. Just go hide in the bushes. But you don't have to go hide in the bushes anymore. God is coming in power, yes, but he's coming in grace. God is the God of grace who forgives sin, who forgives the sinner, who loves you. God with us means that God cares enough about us not just to set off somewhere and go, well, I hope it works out for you. God is the God who loves us so much that he says, you're never going to make this on your own. You're never going to um, uh, be able to get yourself out of this sin condition. So I'm going to come, and I'm going to come right where you are. I'm going to put myself right into your place, into your world, and I'm going to come to take away your sin. That is Emmanuel, God with us. That's the God of grace. That's who came on that first Christmas night. And so the question then is, how do we respond? Because, you know, Adam and Eve were afraid of a ruling king. And so they hid in the bushes. When Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus, and he said, you must be born again. That is, God is doing something totally new here. And you're going to have to get in on this thing. I mean, you can hide in the bushes if you want to, but... But in verse 19 of John chapter 3, he said, this is the judgment. Oh, you say, wait a minute, Brother Greg, I thought you said Jesus didn't come in judgment. Watch this. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. This is the judgment. Not that, not that God hates you or that God wants to send you off to a sinner's hell. That's not what God is all about. The problem is, is, is most people love darkness rather than light. Why? Because our deeds are evil. Most of us are hiding in the bushes 
like Adam and Eve. You know, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 31, it says, it's a dreadful thing, a terrible thing, a frightening thing to fall into the hands of the living God as a sinner. And again, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The first thing, though, that the angel said to Mary was, you don't have to be afraid because you found favor with God. Beloved, I want you to hear today I want you to hear this, that you have found favor with God. God loves you. Again, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, or how deep your sin is, or how far away you've run away from God, or how much you've hated God, how upset you are with God about what he... Listen, God's a big God. God's a big God. And he's full of grace and mercy in truth. Emmanuel comes to reign, but he comes full of grace. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there's no condemnation. Listen to me, friends. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. That is, God does not condemn us in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Instead of hiding in the bushes, trembling in fear of God, in guilt and shame, trying to cover your own sin, come to the God of grace. Come out. <laughs> come to him right now. How should I respond to God who, who has come born of a virgin, come to take away my sin. How should I respond? Should give him my life. This is the practical response. In fact, I want you to see what Mary says. The very last verse here. She's trying to absorb all this. She's not really sure about this virgin birth business. How can this be? I don't understand how it's all going to take place. Well, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. What's the Holy Spirit? I mean, you can imagine all these questions. But look at what she says again in verse 38. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be done to me according to your word. In other words, she said, not my will, thy will be done. I'm not God here. I'm not the boss. I'm not the one that's going to put all this stuff together. You are. So, God, I might not understand it. I might not appreciate it all. I can't get all this stuff. But you're God, and I submit myself to you. Beloved, this is the only response that makes sense when God comes Emmanuel in grace to save here's my life I give it to you so was Jesus really born of a virgin well the Bible teaches it and so if you don't believe the Bible okay you might not be able to believe it but the Bible teaches it It's theologically necessary because if he wasn't born in a virgin, then he couldn't be God in the flesh and he he couldn't save us. In fact, we're able to celebrate the birth of Jesus because it really is good news. Great joy. It's one of the reasons that I, I, uh, for me, getting in the spirit of Christmas, it takes the music to sing those songs, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Joy, unspeakable joy. Instead of moping around, all this is happening to me. No, God has come. He is mine and I am his. This is what it means to be a child of God. It's what it means to be a Christian. 
Emmanuel, God with us. That's it. So the real question here is not, was Jesus born of a virgin? The real question is, what am I going to do about it? <laughs> How am I going to respond? Is this too much for me? Am I going to have to reject it and go my own way? Or will I say, here's my life? God, if you can do something with this mess that I've made, I give it to you. That new thing you're doing, I'm asking you to do it in me. I'm asking you to do it in me. And friends, I want to tell you today that if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you've never given him your life, might have been in church your whole life, man. Might have been playing this game as long as you can remember. But you've never really trusted him with your life. Today is the day of salvation. Jesus lives. And he comes in power. And if you'll give him your life, even you, and it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've gone, even you can be saved today. This is the message of Christmas, the meaning of Jesus born of a virgin. Father, I want to ask you today in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would just show yourself mighty today. And God, kind of like that, that guy who came and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I pray that our hearts would be wide open to you today. And even in those places and those ways that we have a hard time believing or receiving or whatever it is, God. And God, Lord, I know that some of us, some of us sit here and we're just like, no, that's not for me. That's, that's for my parents or that's for those folk or that's for somebody else. God, I just pray that you'd take away all that mess, all the hurt, all the pain, all the junk, all the religious stuff that we've, that we've stuffed in there that really doesn't mean anything. We just might come to you today just individuals, and Lord, receive the gift of life. God, you're doing something new. Do it in us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.